Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. Father, help us always to remember who you are, that you are a God of the possible. God, you work miracles in our lives all the time. Give us the eyes to see. Give us the eyes to see your fingerprints in the most mundane and everyday situations as well as the huge victories that you give to us, Lord. God, we revel in your presence. We desperately seek you this morning. We want to praise and honor you, God, with everything that we have. Distractions aside, situations, irritations, whatever it is, help, whatever it is. God, we worship you this morning. You are holy, Lord. You are holy. Jehovah, you have the name above all names. And we bow before you in reverence this morning. May we walk this week and every week and every day in honor of your name, Lord. May we bring glory to you in all that we say and do. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Happy, happy Mother's Day. A friend of mine sent me a little meme this morning, and if I would have had my wits about me, I would have forwarded it to my husband so we could put it up, but it basically said, we called in a few reinforcements so you could take the day off, and it had a taxi driver, a nurse, a cook, a maid, a magician, a clown, a teacher. There were all these people standing at the curb, so was kind of funny. Moms, thank you for all that you do. You're amazing. And I just want to honor those of you that are moms, moms-to-be, grandmothers, but also spiritual moms. There are so many women that just because they haven't had a child doesn't mean they're not pouring into others, right? And what a blessing that is to all of us. So thank you, ladies, for all that you do. songs right it's like man gets in your ears good stuff to have in your ears there's a lot of bad songs we get stuck in our ears and stuff but those are good songs to have stuck in your ears well kids kids you can be dismissed that means you Zana girl you guys are extra quiet it seems like this morning it seems like it 
It's a quiet crowd this morning. Why is that? Afraid you're going to get in trouble by your mom? You won't. They get excited when you get loud in church. I know I get excited when you guys get loud in church. So, so from this point forward, let's be a little bit louder in church, right? All right, so quick announcements. We are starting up the Bridge Prayer Walks. Are you, are you ready to say something? Throw that microphone up here, honey. Um, so we started this, what, years, years ago? ago? Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, everything's happened since. But anyway, <laughs> um, this time it's going to be a little bit different. We actually have a map sitting out there um, on the easel. Um, Jason's going to pretty quiet. Um, <laughs> we just put it up this morning. And it is the map of Helena. And what we'll do is we will post with a sticky note or an arrow pointing to where we're praying for that week. And then we'll mark it with a pin, then we'll turn around and we'll mark it for the following week, the same thing, but we'll leave the pins in so we know exactly where we've prayed. And um, then if we miss anything, anybody else can just kind of walk. What we're doing is it's not going to be a set, you know, circle or whatever. Um, you're going to kind of make your own path, but we're going to give you, like, next, starting this week, we're going to pray around the church. So. Um, I know Tuesday night the group is going to pray, um, the ladies group, so if anybody wants to join the ladies group and walk with us on Tuesday night, that would be fabulous. We're going to just walk around the church and wherever we end up, um, we're going to pray for the houses that are around here, as well as what's going on in the church. If we make it to the um, schools, we'll pray for the schools. Um, we'll really focus in on the schools this summer when there's not as many people there and getting ready for the new school year. Um, then next week we will start around at the Capitol. Um, we want to make sure that we're praying not only for um, people to know Jesus and all that, but we've got some pretty serious issues coming up that need to be prayed for um, in light of what happened last week. So we want to make sure that we're praying for that. We want to make sure that people have, um, like the song said, said, a restoration of hope and, and um, faith. I know I've struggled with it in these past few years, so we want to make sure that people are just holding on to Jesus for everything that they have because he is our hope. He is our love. He is everything to us, and that's what we need to focus in on. So if you have any questions, please let us know. And, um, yeah, yay. Yay. So prayer walking is, is incredibly important, and I, you know, I witnessed that when we were in missions and stuff. Prayer walking does so much. So really the, the idea behind this is, is we're going to show you where the concentration is for the week, the prayer concentration, and then you guys can prayer walk that at your leisure whenever you want. Um, the ladies will be praying at that specific time on Tuesdays, but that doesn't mean the rest of us can't go another time during the week. We want to really saturate this town with prayer um, and I think there's something to it when we actually get out there and we walk and we pray and we're on that territory and we're in that, that, that place. So um, you can argue with me on that, that no, you don't have to pray out loud, but I would come back and say, but praying out loud is powerful. What's wrong with that? And you don't have to go to the place and actually pray or walk that place. And I would say, no, you don't, but why wouldn't you want to? So it's that. So we're going to give you that information. The board will be out there all summer now. And then hopefully 
It'd be great to just have a bunch of pins in that board. If God is leading you to pray for a specific area and you're like, I gotta go, I gotta go to that place, I gotta prayer walk that, do it and, and stick a pin in it when you come back, right? So I would love for that board by the end of this summer to have pins just everywhere showing that that's places that we have prayed for. So please join with us in that. The places will be more strategic. Obviously, our church needs prayer. Every church needs prayer. Um, and then we want to pray immediately around the neighborhood. But we're the capital city of Montana. We have the ability to go and, and prayer walk around, around our uh, all the government buildings and things like that. Anybody think schools might need a little bit of prayer? You know, there's a lot of battlegrounds going right now, and we need to rise up and be be the church, be a generation that is willing to, to battle. Amen? All right. Other things coming up next Saturday, the 14th, is Highway Cleanup. Um, we do this twice a year. We do a spring and we do a fall, and every year it seems like there's less trash right, because we get ahead of it. So um, if you can make it, just meet here in the parking lot at 8.30 a.m. We will have garbage bags in these very um, fashionable orange vests that we get to wear. So grab some gloves. Um, some of you guys have the little pokers where you get the, get the trash and do that. Now, I also know that there's a baby shower that day, correct, ladies, Amy? right? Baby shower that same day at 10.30 for the ladies. Um, I told Amy that'll work out great for her because she can pick trash and then come, come straight here. And she didn't think that that would work out so well. So guys, guys, your wives are going to be getting come to a baby shower. So why don't, especially us guys, all meet and, and pick up some trash. It, it's quick. Don't Doyle, it's fast, isn't it? Like 45 minutes usually and we are more than, than done. So put that on your calendar. Just one more way to serve the community and get out there. And then finally, uh, Zoomerang, VBS, is coming up June 13th through 17th. It'll be here from 9 a.m. to noon. On the guest services counter, there's these invitations. They got this on the front, and then all the information you would ever need on the back. It's really easy to print these, right? So I want you guys to take those and pass them out to the kids in your neighborhoods, pass them out to whoever you know that has kids. If they choose to throw those away, I, I don't care. I can print more, right? The, the, the tragedy is, is when nobody knows about it, right? Let them make the decision. Get that in their hands. Allow them to make that decision. So please grab some, pass them around, whoever you see. Um, even last week when we were picking up and cleaning up down at, at Spring Meadow, um, there was a family, a mom and her kids, and, and we gave them hot dogs. And then, of course, Debbie made sure that they had an invitation. And, oh, where is that out? So you just never know. So please, please do that. Uh, giving. It's always good to give, right? And we have four ways to give. I think most of you guys know that. You can give online at bridgehelena.com. You can text to 84321. You just put the amount in and it leads you through all that. There's giving boxes located back at Sanctuary in the foyer. And of course, you can always mail whatever you want, not whatever you want. Money. You can mail big, large sums of cash. Probably not. Don't trust the mail system to 725 Granite Avenue, Helena, 
Montana. I think that's it for announcements, isn't it? You guys ready to get going? Yeah. Who who participated last Sunday? Who was there? It was fun, wasn't it? Yeah. It just it was it was fun, and I got a lot of compliments. And then uh, it was funny because what is today? Friday, I took Zana down to back to Spring Meadow, and, and we were walking, and she was just like, "Oh my gosh, the goose is, they pooped again." She's like, it was so clean, and now it's, and it's like, it happens, it happens. But it's something to be proud about. Um, people saw us, that's a good thing. Um, we did a good service, but most of all, we got to hang out. And I had a couple of people come up and just say, this is what it's all about. It's all about just being together and talking to each other and enjoying this time. And that was really my uh, desire, is that we could connect more as a church and you got to hang out and, and talk to different people. Working side by side is a great, great thing. Um, so in the future, we're going to do more of these things. Who knows how that will look? It may not be on a, on a Sunday morning, but it may be, maybe on different days of, of the week. I think we have lots of opportunity to not only connect with God, but to connect with others, and then eventually connect others with God. Amen? You guys ready? Let's get going. Let me pray here. Father, thank you so much that we can gather today. And Lord God, with so much going on in our country right now, with such monumental um, court decisions, the court doesn't dictate morally what's right or wrong, but Lord, it's great when the court does uphold things that are morally right and wrong. Lord, with all of these things happening, Lord God, help us to be a, a body, a, a church, a people of prayer. Lord God, prayer truly makes things happen. So Lord God, as we draw near to you, teach us more about yourself, about prayer, about what we need to be doing. Lord God, we want to be a people not of just words, but of action. So today, Lord God, as we go through this message, as we go through your teachings, Lord God, I pray that you, you very much open up our hearts. You very much open up our minds. Lord God, let this not be just words, but Lord God, let, let this spur us on to action within our own lives, which then leads to action outside of our lives. Holy Spirit, don't let anybody walk in. Don't let anybody leave here today the same way they walked in. And let me only preach what you have me to preach. Lord God, if you don't want me to say it, shut my mouth. If you give me a little extra, Lord God, let me boldly proclaim that. We pray this in your name, Jesus. And everyone said... Amen. Mothers, we do so appreciate you. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, sometimes it can be hard in this day and age. Things can get can get hard. And, and there's so much mixed up emotions and, and mixed up feelings. But I would encourage every mother in here to ground yourself in Jesus and keep speaking Jesus over your family, over your kids, over your grandkids, over the kids of the neighborhood. Um, biblically speaking, there's so many great mother examples in the Bible. Chase after those. Be one of those. Today, we're going to continue on with our with our uh, series on First John. We got to. Amy was yesterday. She was like, "Are we getting close to being done with that?" Say, "Yeah, we're getting close. We were close a month ago. We were close two months ago, for goodness sakes." But I told her, as we get into these later chapters, especially chapter 4 and 5, it gets so deep, the depth of, of what is being spoken, and, and very much what is being spoken by, by the author, what is being written by John, is, is really a, an echo of what 
the words of Jesus were spoken and recorded in, in the Gospel of John. Um, so there's so much. It's like we get a double portion of it. And, and I just know that we have to linger on certain verses and, and everything. So we're, we're getting through this, and we're going to get through it. But, but what I don't want to do is rush too quick and just be like, hey, we need to get done with this because we need to get done with it, and we don't dive into where we really need to. If you guys were here and remember two Sundays, two Sundays ago, we really... We camped out in, in verse 1 of 1 John chapter 5. So we made it to chapter 5, finally, and we made it through one whole verse two weeks ago. Um, and in this passage, in, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, the author states who Jesus is and, and really the consequences of the belief in, in, in what he is he is saying. The reason we spent so much time here on this one verse is because it presents to us that, that same fundamental question that really each one of us, we have to answer it. And that question is, is who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Not, not from a historical perspective. That doesn't do us a whole lot of good. It's good to know. Not even so much from a theological perspective. Remember, that's who they say Jesus is. The question is, is who is Jesus to each one of you? It is so incredibly personal. It's a question that we ask ourselves, and then we have to kind of wade through and figure out that answer. It's, it's, it's amazing. So despite what everyone else says, who is it that you believe Jesus to be? And depending on how we answer that question will present to us the consequences of that answer, right? All too often we think consequences are always negative, but consequences aren't always negative. Sometimes there's some very positive consequences to, to the questions that we answer or the actions that we take. Now, depending on how you answer the question, who do I believe Jesus is, the consequences will fit that Answer. So let's take a look real quick to remind us of what 1 John 5, 1, 1 says. Throw that, up, that slide up out of the Amplified Bible. Everyone who believes with a deep abiding trust in the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed, is born of God, that is, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose. And everyone who loves the Father also loves the child born of him. Hey, Craig, or somebody, can you turn that front light out? that of the bank it's just like boom it's reflecting off my head and I can't see anything <laughs> you guys ever have that problem some of you do yeah we got some hands amen so we look at a verse like this and, and, and there's so much in there and that's why we spent one whole um, one whole Sunday on that but now that that has been said and hopefully each one of us um, has rationalized that, we can now move on to the next verse. So 1 John 5, 2 says this. Flip that slide. You don't have the right slide. Okay, I'll just read it. 1 John 5, 2. By this we know, without any doubt, that we love the children of God, expressing that love when we love God and obey His commands. Let me read it again. By this we know without any doubt, that we love the children of God, expressing that love when we love God and obey his commands. Now remember the three elements that are deeply important in the knowledge of God. 
And that is faith, love, and obedience. It is our faith that, that has the potential to open so much for us. A lot of people say, well, I just, I don't know much about God. I can never hear God. I don't know what God is, is speaking to me about. Well, it's our faith that opens those things up, right? We have to have a faith in God, right? That is, is, is what so much hinges upon as we move into a life that is driven by obedience and love. It's hard to live a life of obedience if we don't have faith first. It's hard to live a life of love if we don't have faith first. Look at how verse 2 does start out. It starts out by saying, by this we know. By this we know. By this we believe. By this we believe without doubt. We believe with confident security. How much in this world right now can you say that about? That is, man, this is something I really believe in. I really believe in it without any doubt. I, I really believe in it with confident security. There's not a whole lot in this world right now we can say that about, right? But there's one thing that we absolutely can. A true faith is not meant to waver, and it's not meant to hesitate. True faith is the result of confident security. Now, the process of faith can be a little tricky because we will encounter many things that will try to divert us. Come over here, over here. Stop looking over there. What about this? What about that? It tries to divert us from the faith and the eventual confident security that we can eventually attain. Things like doubt. Does doubt come in and really mess up our faith? How about fear? Fear is really the the opposite of faith, there's distractions, there's, there's the feeling of unworthiness. All of us have, have struggled with the feeling of unworthiness from, from time to time. There's unforgiveness that we hold within our lives, right? Maybe we hold unforgiveness against ourselves. And then there's, of course, the misplaced or the lack of trust that, that exists in our, in our life. That, that all messes with our faith. Right? Jesus is over here saying, but you know who I am. Put your trust in me. Put your faith in me. And all these things come in here and, and they just mess us up. Paul makes a great faith statement in, in Philippians 3. Do we have that one? Philippians 3, 11 through 14. This is out of the ESV. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had, has made me his own. I love that part. Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We must continue to press forward in our faith, correct? Would you agree that we need to continue to press forward? And it would be nice if we could just attain this thing called faith once in the beginning and never have to worry about it again. But faith isn't like that. Faith isn't fixed. Faith is ever growing. Faith is ever expanding. I can meet the most faith-filled person ever that I've ever talked to in my life, and, and they're going to tell me, but there's more. My faith can be expanded. It can be built.
still, I can continue to push forward in that. Never believing we have achieved everything that has been laid out before us, but rather straining forward to what lies ahead, whatever that might be. And whatever that might be, knowing that it is an opportunity to build our faith even more. The challenges of life, right? The trials and tribulations of life. Do you know that those are opportunities to build your faith even more? The difficult person that's in your life right now. Anybody have a difficult person in their life right now? Everybody has a difficult person. That is an opportunity to build your faith more. See, faith requires more than just believing that something is true. Faith must actually and boldly enter into our lives. See, there's this, this brain side of everything. The idea of faith is great, but I'm not sure about the application. The idea of faith doesn't move mountains. The application of faith is what moves mountains. Faith is not just knowing, but it's also walking and living in that faith. Now, understanding that, that it is this faith that leads us to love and obedience, let's take a look at verse 2 again. By this we know, without any doubt, that we love the children of God, expressing that love when we love God and obey His commandments. Oh, there it is. By this we know, without any doubt, that we love the children of God, expressing that love when we love God and obey His commandments. Does anybody look at that and say, that's a weird sentence? With everything we've been through so far, through 1 John, with everything that we know about the Gospels, with everything that we think we know about our faith, we come to a sentence like this, and, and I look at that and I say, this seems like this is a backward verse. Seems like it's all backwards. At least by what we have already heard and come to know. We would expect this verse, I think, to be, to be written like this. This is how we know we love God, by loving His children and obeying His commands. This not only sounds familiar, but it just makes sense to a believer. But John chooses to write it backwards. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. Once again, we see how tied together the principle of, of love actually is. Everybody knows the great commandment, right? Great commandment. Love the Lord your God, right? With everything all parts of our body, and then also love your neighbor as yourself. That's what's known as the great commandment. And sometimes we can look at that and say, oh, I'm really good at the first part of the, the great commandment, but I'm not really good at the second part of the great commandment, right? I, I'm really good at loving God, but I'm not necessarily good at, at loving others. But here's the deal. The great commandment is the great commandment, not the great commandments, right? The great commandment cannot be separated. The great commandment is to love God and love others. Love God, love others. Not love God and if you feel like it, love others. 
Not first love God and then love others, but it's love God and love others. One commandment and one statement. To love God is to love the children of God. To love the children of God is to love God himself. What wonderful completion right here. Once again, this love, God's love, the agape love of the Father is directly and permanently tied to our obedience. In faith, we proclaim to love God. In action, we love the children of God, our brothers and sisters in Christ. In our motivation, we obey his commands. We are obedient to his teachings and his conduct. That's a lot right there. I just wanted to love God. That's a lot more. That's a lot of extra stuff here. That, that seems difficult. Do I really have to do all of those things? Yes, you do, because you can't separate those things. You can't untie those things and say, this is what I choose. This is what I don't really want. That's where Christianity gets all mixed up. When the people, when the church tries to take the truth of God and compartmentalize it and pick and choose what they want to believe, what they want to obey, and what they want to do. With that being said, that now brings us to verse 3. 1 John 5, 3. For the true love of God is this, that we habitually keep his commandments and remain focused on his precepts. And his commandments and his precepts are not difficult to obey. This is a big verse here. And this is a verse that, that in many ways, I, I didn't struggle with this verse, but what I struggled with is thinking, okay, God, how can I articulate this verse, what is being said in this verse? And I gave up. And I said, okay, Holy Spirit, help me, help me understand this. Because this is a big verse simply because we are talking about the true love of God. It's like, what a monumental thing. That's not like, hey, we're going to learn how to tie our shoelaces today. We're going to, we're going to learn how to, to, to give our finances today. Those are relatively easy things to talk about. But when we start talking about the true love of God, there's a weight there, right? This is enormous. This is big. This is important. And we come to a verse like this, and this verse boldly defines what true love is, what the true love of God is, and by defining that, it's also defining what the true love of God is not. Throw up that, that next slide. The true love of God literally means to habitually or consistently keep his commands and to be focused upon his precepts and his teachings. See the connection between our love for God and our obedience is meant as a protection against thinking of the love for God as just an emotional feeling about God. How many of you know that your emotions will consistently misguide you? Anybody have experience in that? And it can go either way. You can get in an emotionally charged situation. You can say things that you probably shouldn't say. Those things that you're saying are based upon that emotional response. 
There can be puppy love. Oh, I just love him so much. And those decisions that are being made are being made upon the emotion of that infatuation that that person has with another. So we understand, I think, by, by the incredible learning process of going through it, we understand that our emotions consistently um, have the potential to misguide us and probably do. For the most part, the worst decisions we can make are emotional decisions. You don't think so, go to a car lot. Yeah, you're going to a car lot and you wind up with a car and that was based on an emotional decision and that car salesman is a great man. He is trained to manipulate and to play off your emotions. And if we're not careful, the, the pastor of the church can somewhat become the used car salesman, right? He, the pastor can put in and play on your emotions and get you to do things that are made, that are based out of emotional decisions. It's a very dangerous place that we are in. So the worst decisions we can make are emotional decisions. And there's no doubt that the love of God will evoke an emotional response within us. I'm not saying that he won't. However, the love of God is much more than simply an emotion. Our emotions tell us that if we don't want to do something, we don't have to. It's our emotions telling us those things. Our emotions tell us to chase those things that will seemingly make us happy. You've ever been in that situation? There's things, and it's, oh, if I only had this, if I only worked here, if I was only with this person. Those are all based on emotions. You're chasing that emotional response. When you catch that, most of the time, what do you get? A big, giant letdown. Well, I guess it's not as great as I thought it was. See, the grass is rarely greener on the other side of the fence. Most of the time, the grass is greener where you water it. We don't water our grass out of an emotional response. We water our grass out of obedience. See, our emotions tell us various and contradicting things depending on the day. Yeah, the situation. Mm -hmm. How much coffee we've had or not had. And your current stress level. All of those things cause us to make these emotional decisions. But the true love of God is constant. true love of God is consistent. Look at Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths almost the opposite of emotions, they will always make your path crooked. We're basing big decisions on those, little decisions on those emotions. So what I'm saying is there's a great truth. There's a great guide that we can call upon instead of relying upon those emotions. And that's the true love of God. When we keep His commands, when we remain focused upon his precepts. We choose to trust and rely upon the Lord for our well-being and for our life. 
and our well-being and our life for the born-again believer is founded upon the love of God and not upon an emotional response. Again, I'm not saying that we don't have an a emotional response to God. We absolutely do. But that is subservient to the true agape love of God that involves our obedience and our trust. Too many Christians these days are, are like wheat fields swaying in the wind. Swaying in the wind. Get blown away. The rain comes, which is supposed to be nourishing, but it knocks it down, right? Because they're not founded upon the true love of Jesus. And every response seems to be an emotional response. Here's a good one. This one's great. I'm offended. Isn't offense for the most part an emotional response? Because it didn't happen the way I wanted it to. Because you didn't say the words I wanted you to say. Because you didn't make it the color that I wanted it. All of those are emotional responses that are causing that offense. See, the love that was displayed in Jesus by way of the cross is the monumental truth of love that we need to focus on. Flip that. Flip that slide. Do you understand that Jesus choosing to die for each one of us was not based upon emotion, rather it was based on the love of God, complete with his righteousness and truth? True love requires more than a feeling. It requires action. And by Christ's example, it means the willingness to lay down one's life. And it means a willing obedience to live for God in service, in worship, and in action. We must be willing to lay our own life down in sacrifice to Christ himself and to take the new life that he has for us. That's a big sticking point. I guess that separates you from a Christian to a fundamental Christian, right? I just say maybe a Christian by name and a Bible-believing Christian. We must lay our life down. We must take up our Christ daily. We must die to ourselves yeah. once a year on, on Easter. Man, that would be easy. But we got to do it every day. Some of us have to do it every hour. Some of us probably need to do it minute by minute by minute. See, I worry about those who simply have an emotional response to the gospel message. Remember the old days where you would get cornered by somebody and they'd get in your face and they'd start talking about hell? <laughs> if you died tonight, where would you spend eternity? And you're going, man, I don't even know what eternity is, but I don't want to spend it there. So if I don't want to spend it there, I guess I want to spend it here in whatever you say I'll do because I'm scared. I'm freaked out right now. You got me feeling guilty about everything. Okay, I'll pray the prayer. What was your name again? You don't need to know my name. All I needed to do was get you to pray the prayer. Now you'll never see me again in my, my entire life. But go, go be good. Go be a Christian. That response was an emotional response with no connection with no discipleship, 
with no obedience. So I worry about those who make that emotional response to the gospel message. I worry because emotion is fleeting. And it changes as fast as our weather. Maybe even faster. On the one hand, our obedience and sacrifice, or on the other hand, our obedience and our sacrifices is incredibly costly. You being here this morning is incredible, incredibly costly. It's going to get more costly in the next few years, the next decade, if we're still around that long. But it's costly. Every time that you get before God in your prayer life, that obedience and that sacrifice, it's costly. Every time that you choose to obey God, that's incredibly costly. So guard yourself against reducing the beautiful, complex, and foundational love of God to a mere emotion that tickles your ears and amuses your feelings. Because it's so much more. As we were praying this morning, we pray at 9.30 every morning. I don't, I don't pray at that time because I let those around me pray for the service and pray for me. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. And, and afterwards I said, oh yeah, this message is a little different. Some people may not like this message. But we're taking God's love a step further. A lot of people love the emotional side of God's love. It's the happy side. It's all the flowers. I'm dancing through all the flowers, and it's just great. But that obedience stuff, that truth stuff, that stuff's not as much fun. But I'm not here, and God didn't write this book simply to tickle your ears and amuse your feelings. And that's just the first half of verse 3. Let's look at it again. Let's, let's read verse 3 again. For the true love of God is this, that we habitually keep his commands and remain focused on his precepts. And his commandments and his precepts are not difficult to obey. That break right there. And, and, also, in addition to, the true love of God is habitually keeping his commandments and remaining in his precepts. His commandments are not difficult to obey. Therefore, the true love of God is not burdensome. It's not oppressive. It's not demanding. It's not troublesome. Now, if you're sitting in here this morning and you are a follower of Christ, right? You have decided to, to make Christ your Lord and Savior. You follow him. You are a disciple. You're, you're trying. You're failing in some spots because it's hard. But each day you start out the day saying, God, be with me. Jesus, forgive me. If you're in that boat, I bet you can remember a time when the, when the will of God was strange to you. You remember that time? Some of you are sitting here going, yeah, that time's right now. Sometimes the will of God is strange. The very idea of righteousness was foreign. Maybe you even thought it was impossible. That's when we're going, oh God, how can you forgive a sinner like me? Now I see all those other people and you're using them great, but man, I just want to be with you and go to heaven because I'm beyond repair. 
So sometimes the, the idea of righteousness, it's, it's distant. The thought of keeping any of his commandments, they were met with, with a really a defiant independence. Was or is met with defiant independence. We struggle with that because we are living in a country that is defiantly independent. We were found upon that defiant independence, weren't we? And it was a good thing. And we live in a state. We're not growing, I didn't grow up in this state. Been here not even six years yet. But it's like, out of all the states I've ever lived in, there's a little bit of defiant independence in Montana. Just, I mean, it's a little. It's just like a tiny bit. I mean, it's everything. Eh, don't tell me that. Don't tell me I can't do that. Don't tell me I have to do that. There's just this defiant independence. And, and what it has created was a state that, that needed to be tamed, right? There was a lot of wilderness, and that defiant independence tamed that. And, and there's a lot of good things. But when it comes to our faith, when it comes to our, our obedience, our humility, our need for Jesus Christ as our Savior, but also as our Lord, that can get in the way. And when it gets in the way, we're like, man, his commandments. Man, I know they're good, but I just don't know if I need to follow all of them. I don't really need to do all that because we're defiantly independent. Am I the only one? The transplant? The Montana? Am I the only defiantly independent person? I try to kind of <laughs> Yes, who said that? I didn't want to bring specific examples up, but if I was going to, um, I, I have to try to convince Amy every day that, Amy, I'm defiantly independent. And she's like, no, you're not, Jason. You're not at all. <laughs> if my mom's listening, she'll understand that she's known me longer than any of you, and she knows my defiant independence. It's something that I have to guard against. It's something I have to work on, but before I had Jesus, I lived in that defiant independence of his commandments, right? Now that I have Jesus, my faith put into action, I have to deal with my defiant independence, and I will tell you this, my emotional decisions don't help me dealing with my defiant independence. Rather, my emotional decisions add to my defiant independence. See, even the love that God extended to us, the love itself was undefinable. And, and honestly, it was confusing. And the reason it was confusing, it was because it's the true love of God. It's the agape love of God. It's not the emotional love that we're used to. It's something so much more. But I could grab onto that. And I could exist in that. And, and today I, I continue to exist in that because something drastically changed in my life and in your life, didn't it? Something drastically changed. It wasn't something based on yourself. It wasn't the feeling based upon emotion. It wasn't a 12-step plan, that's for sure, because it was God himself. 
It was Jesus pursuing you, and it was the Holy Spirit convicting you. And upon that moment, you made the choice to let him in. And at that moment, everything changed. Everything started to change. Now, for some of you in here, for some of you in here, it was instantaneous and it was dramatic. It's like, who is this person? You're not the same person as you were yesterday. And you're going in your brain going, I know, it's freaking me out. I'm not the same person as I was yesterday. So some of you, it was instantaneous and it was dramatic. But for, for others of you, it was more progressive. It didn't happen all at once. Day by day by day, you begin to change. But the undeniable truth is that when we choose to trust in God, we place his teachings, um, he places his teachings upon us. And that itself is always based in his love. Look at Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's relating his love, his truth, his obedience. He's relating all of those things to a yoke. Man, them ox, you ever see those ox carrying those big yokes? It's like, my goodness, you guys are carrying those yokes and pulling a load? Those yokes themselves are heavy. They're burdensome. And Jesus comes back and he says this because the yoke of teaching that was being placed upon the people was heavy. It was burdensome. It was based on the law with some more stuff added to it. And the people were being smashed by that yoke. It was too heavy for them. They couldn't do it. And here's Jesus coming and saying, hey, just, just come to me. Come to me. If you're laboring, if you are under that heavy burden, come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you my yoke and, and I will place it on you and you will learn from me because I'm gentle and I'm lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is life. Isn't that just excellent? We who have been born of God have a desire to delight in the Father. Our joy becomes seeking after Him, seeking after His righteousness, chasing after His tenets, desiring His truth, living in His love, craving His standards. All of this, all of this is living in the true agape love of the Father. Because none of that makes sense from an emotional perspective. Remember, the true love of God is to keep his commandments and remain focused on his precepts. Living a life founded with his love becomes our pleasure. There's a lot of stuff I disagree with. There's a lot of stuff that I'm going to have to give up. These are all the negative parts 
about following Jesus, right? Look at all of this stuff. I can't hang out with these people. I, I gotta be honest in my dealings. Uh, all this different things. You're looking at it from an emotional perspective. But when we ground ourselves in the truth of Jesus, living a life founded within his love, it actually becomes our pleasure. Do you guys feel that way? It's like, it's like being a disciple of Christ. There's pleasure in that. Is there hardships? Absolutely. Do we have to not do the things or say the words sometimes that we really want to? Absolutely. Is God challenging us and asking us to step out over here? Absolutely. Is it always easy? Absolutely not. But when we live a life for Jesus, based in his love, there's pleasure in that. We need to act like that. Too many downcast Christians. There's too many angry Christians. There's too many distraught Christians. Where's the pleasure in that? It's like abundant life. Where's the abundant life? Are we seeing the abundant life in the believers of Christ? Are we seeing the pleasure in their life? Look in the mirror and ask yourself that very question. See, we do the things God desires us to do because we love God. And we love God because he first loved us. And through our actions, we love those that are around us our brothers and sisters in Christ. But I would also say those that are outside of the family of Christ. Because those outside the family of Christ need to be brought into the family of Christ. And the best way to do that is to not extend an emotional love, but to extend the true love of Christ through our obedience to him. We do the things that we do because we love God and we take pleasure in that. And as this verse says, it's not difficult. It's not difficult. What makes it difficult? You do. I do. I make it difficult. There's so many things that God wants to do in my life. There's so many blessings God wants to bring into my life. But I make it difficult out of my defiant rebellion. Because myself wants to do things a certain way. Instead of dying to myself and allowing God to come in and direct each step. Now here's the truly amazing and liberating part of all of this. Are you guys ready? The commands of God bring us to the freedom that we so earnestly long for. It's built in within us. We long for freedom. Why does everybody in the world want to come to the United States? Because the United States was founded upon freedom. There's something inside of us that causes us to want to be free. But it's the lie of the enemy started in the, the garden and propagated through all of history. And that's that our 
freedom comes apart from God and his commands. How can there be true freedom if you submit yourself to the lordship of Jesus Christ? How can there be true freedom if you believe that you have to trust him and live out his commandments? And Satan says, how can that be freedom? Freedom is when you determine what you want to do. Freedom is, is when you do those things that you want to do. But the reality is, is the command of God bring us to the freedom that we so earnestly long for. Some of you are in here this morning and you're longing for that freedom. Some of you in here this morning and you're bound up in something. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's that, that defiant independence. And you're thinking that's going to lead you to freedom. But it's not. Because only freedom comes through God. Freedom came at the cross and extended to us the resurrection. Follow his commandments. That obedience conveys our love, right, to others. It also conveys our love to him. So this idea that, that, that God, oh, oh, Christianity, there's so many rules. So many rules I have to follow. I gotta dress a certain way, I gotta I gotta speak a certain way. I, I gotta go to church so many Sundays every every week and all no, you don't have to. But but we get to the point where we want to. See, when we go down that road, that that, that is literally a lie from hell and Satan himself. Worship team, if you guys want to quietly come on. Well, maybe you're sitting in here this morning. I don't know where you are. Maybe you struggle with obedience. Oh, gosh. Here we go with that obedience again. Sounds like it's going to make me reschedule things and maybe make me do things that I'm not comfortable doing. Struggling with that obedience. I would say this. Humbly surrender yourself to God. I mean, full surrender. We talk about it. Don't emotionally surrender to God. That's pleading. Humbly surrender yourself to God with everything that you have. Some of you are sitting in here, and I and this is just the truth. I'm not bashing on anybody in here, but some of you are sitting here and here this morning. You're listening online, and your relationship with Christ is emotionally driven. How do you know? Well, an emotionally driven relationship with Christ causes you to say, well, what's in this for me? God, what what are you going to do for me? God, I named it and I claimed it, and you better bring the blessings to me. That's emotionally driven. I would say submit yourself to his teaching. Because Jesus' teachings is something very different than what you get. That church just isn't feeding me. Right? I've tried tithing. Nothing happened. What's in it for me? Submit yourself to his teachings. It's that easy. Because when we submit ourselves to his teachings, the wonderful Holy Spirit comes in and counsels us 
right? He counsels us, counseling us, has a great component called conviction, and that helps us. In, back in, especially in the book of John, when, when, when Jesus is, 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 it's in the later chapters, and Jesus keeps reiterating, hey, I gotta go. Uh, um, pretty soon I won't be with you, then I'll be with you again. And then we know eventually then he ascends and then he's not there anymore. But, but Jesus keeps saying, hey, it's good that I go. How does that make any sense? From an emotional perspective, it doesn't. No, Jesus, I want you here with me. But Jesus is saying, no. It's good that I go. It's good that I leave so that the Spirit can come. And how does Jesus refer to the Spirit? Jesus refers to the Spirit as truth. It's good that Jesus leaves so the Spirit can come, so that truth can come. And then truth sets us free, which causes us to enjoy the love of God, which causes us to want to obey God, wrap all that up, and what's going on with our faith keeps growing, keeps getting bigger. Another layer of faith. Another layer of faith. We keep submitting. We keep we keep humbly surrendering. It all comes down to this. We all need freedom in our life. And there's only one place to find freedom, and that is in Jesus Christ himself. So if you're struggling in here this morning with, with obedience, if you're, if you're emotionally driven in your relationship with Christ, if you have this defiant independence that is this sick taste in your mouth because you know you shouldn't, but you can't help it, if you're angry, if you're fearful, if you're envious, if you're stuck in sin, approach God. Grab hold of Jesus. Because only he can bring freedom into our lives. We're going to do a wonderful, perfect song right now. And I'm going to invite you guys to the altar. I don't care if you're a messed up person and you're going, i got to get to the altar. Come to the altar. I don't care if you're a perfect Christian right now. Come to the altar. Worship at the, let's worship at the altar. And let's grab hold of the freedom that Christ has for us. And in so doing add another layer of faith in our lives. How many of you guys could add another layer of faith in your life and be good? I know I can. Everybody stand up. Hold those lights down if you would. I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite you guys. Remember, I'm not trying to pull on your emotional heartstrings because I'm bad at that. I'm not an emotional person if you know me. I'm analytical. I'm sorry. That's just how I am. I don't want to emotionally get you to the altar. I want to open up the altar and give you the choice. So come spend some time in God's presence. Father, Lord, your word is like a light. Lord God, your word is so truthful. So Lord, help us to get away from that defiant independence moved by our emotions and help us to camp out in your word. Lord God, help us discover the true agape love of the Father and its enormity. Lord, we can't even comprehend it, but we can chase after it. We can have a desire to help us to push forward. 
Lord God, these things I don't understand, but I don't need to because I'm pushing forward with you. Help us to attain that true freedom that you have for each one of us. Dying to ourselves daily, crucifying ourselves, picking up our cross, submitting our life, laying it down to you. Lord God, for no other reason than we want to be with you. We want to exist in your love. And out of that, you grant us freedom. You give us blessings. Lord God, how wonderful are you? And how costly was that? And we thank you for all of these things. Lord, I submit my life to you. I humbly submit it. Lord God, take my independent defiance. Take my, my emotionally driven existence. Take my fear, my envy, my doubt my hate, my unforgiveness, my self-condemnation, Lord, I am giving it to you. And in its place, I am picking up your yoke, the yoke of love, the yoke of freedom that drives me to a life of obedience in your truth and in your teachings. Jesus, I pray this in your name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. This is my worship, this is my offering, in every moment I withhold nothing. Say it. 
shepherd is inside the gate. The good shepherd is calling his sheep into that gate. And that gate looks like the symbol of bondage. It looks like the, the, the symbol of, of captivity. But in actuality, when we go from the wilderness through the gate into his sheepfold, that's where we experience true freedom. And each one of us has to get to the point in our lives where we say it's not my freedom and my independence that I want. Rather, it's the true agape love of the Father that requires my obedience. But it requires my obedience in a way that it is pleasurable for me to extend that obedience. Amen. 
Each one of you has that choice. I pray that you make the right choice. Stop living for yourself. Stop trying to live on your own. Stop trying to, 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 to live in the wilderness. There is something so much better. Father, allow us to grab onto you because you are always the better. Though we don't understand it, though it can be scary at first, Lord God, let us hear your voice. You are calling your sheep in. And Lord God, help us to bring every sheep, wild, crazy sheep out there to the same realization so that they can hear your voice and make the choice to come into your sheepfold. We pray this in your name, Jesus. And everyone said, This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com. And we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.